The Last Adventure of a Coquette by Thomas Maine Reed. Read for Love Stories, Volume 4 by Colleen McMahon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Last Adventure of a Coquette by Thomas Maine Reed. A more capricious coquette than the beautiful Kate Crossley never played with hapless hearts. She is now a sober matron, the wife of an elegant husband, and the mother of two beautiful children. We hate to rake up the ashes of bitter remembrances, for, believe us, gentle reader, this story, though short, is nevertheless true, and we know one young gentleman at least who will recognize the unhappy hero of it but we cannot pass over in silence the last episode in the unmarried life of kate it may be a warning to future unfortunate lovers and afford a striking instance of that utter heartlessness which a beautiful flirt alone can feel kate was an heiress that is a moderate fortune of two hundred thousand had been accumulated expressly for her use for she was an only child she had a much larger fortune however in her face and that evening never passed that the threshold of her father's comfortable dwelling was not crossed by half a score of elegant beaux all bloods and some of them men of fortune kate amused herself by making these young gentlemen jealous a beautiful flirt who can command even the small sum of two hundred thousand dollars is a dangerous creature in the community of philadelphia and already on kate crossley's account had two parties of the aforesaid young gentlemen crossed over to camden with sanguinary intentions fortunately however we have the most vigilant police in the world and a mayor whose instinct is so keen that it has been known to forewarn him of the time and place of a duel the arrangements of which had been kept religiously secret from all but the principals and their seconds by such efforts of genius on the part of our worthy mayor had the chivalrous lovers of our heroine been spared the pain of bloodletting, and having purchased the pleasing reputation of courage, they were bound over, and thus procured the sweet privilege of frowning at each other hereafter, without the necessity of fighting for it. Matters were progressing thus, lovers were alternately sighing and smiling, and scowling, when the elegant Augustus Knob returned from his European tour, bringing with him of course a foreign moustache and a decidedly foreign accent nob was an only son of one of the first families he had been left an independent fortune by his parents deceased most of which he had contrived to spend in paris and london this however was still a secret and nob was welcome everywhere but under no mahogany did mr augustus nob stretch his limbs more frequently than under the hospitable board of mrs crossley we say Mrs. Crossley, for although her good husband still lived, he was only identified in the house as a piece of its plainest furniture. Crossley had served his purpose in this world. He had made the two hundred thousand, had retired from business, and was no longer of any value. It was now Mrs. C.'s turn to play her part, which consisted in practically proving that two hundred thousand can be spent almost as fast as it can be made balls soirees and suppers followed each other in quick succession morning levies were held attended by crowds of bloods the elegant augustus was always present and always dressed in the most fashionable rig a party at the house of mrs crossley and the elegant augustus not present who could bear the idea 
not Mrs. C. herself, who was constantly exclaiming, "'My dear Augustus, he is the very life and soul of us. How charming, how handsome, and how fashionable! Just the air that travelling always gives. How much I long to call him my dear son!' And in fact Mrs. C. was leaving no stone unturned to consummate this maternal design. She was not likely to find much opposition on the part of the elegant himself. Not only would the two hundred thousand have been particularly acceptable at that time, but the heart of the young gentleman, or in other words his vanity, had become greatly excited, and he felt much disposed to carry off the coquette in triumph, in spite of the agony and disappointment of at least a score of competitors. But where is our heroine Kate all this time? Flirting, of course, with a dozen beaux, each at one moment thinking himself most favoured, and the next spurned and despairing. Now she smiles upon Mr. Fitzrush, and compliments him upon the smallness of his foot. Fitz blushes, simpers, and appears not at all vain of his feet. In fact, stammers out that they are large, very large indeed, to which candid acknowledgment on his part, should the company appear to assent, he carelessly adds that well, they are small for a man of his size insinuating that it is nothing out of the way to find small men with little feet and little credit should therefore be attached but when a man of large dimensions is found with elegant little feet like his the credit ought to be quadrupled or tripled at least kate the talented kate understands it all and after smiling quietly at the gentleman's silliness she turns her satire upon another victim ah my dear mr cressy how your eyes sparkled last night at the opera they looked like a basilisk's this gentleman's eyes were of a very dull green colour and looked more like a cat's than a basilisk's but not seeing them as others saw them he replied that he could not help it the music always excited him so ah the music mr cressy but perhaps she was prevented from finishing her reply by the announcement of a gentleman who had just made his appearance in the doorway and who was no less a personage than the elegant augustus nob to say that mr augustus nob was a small fish in this party would be to speak what was not true on the other hand he was a big fish in fact the biggest in the kettle any one who had witnessed the sensation produced by his announcement would have judged so the coquette broke off in the middle of her satire, and running toward the door, conducted him to the seat nearest to her own, where, after an elegant bow, he seated himself, a full-grown lion. During the continuance of this welcome reception, various pantomimic gestures were exhibited by different members of the company. There was a general uneasy shifting of chairs. Dark looks were shot toward the elegant, and conciliatory and even friendly glances were exchanged among the beaux, who, forgetting for the moment their mutual jealousies, concentrated their united envy upon their common rival. If Cressy's eyes never sparkled before, they certainly did upon this occasion, and the right leg of Fitzrush was flung violently over the left knee, where it continued to oscillate with an occasional nervous twitching of the toes, expressive of a hardly repressed desire on the part of its owner to try the force of those little feet on the favoured elegant's handsome person it was all in vain however nob was evidently the successful lover for he sat close to the graceful creature that is closer than any other and chatted to her of balls and operas and confident of his position 
he did not care a fig for the envy and jealousy which on all sides surrounded him and kate showered all her attentions upon nob and nob triumphed over his rivals matters progressed thus for several weeks nob still paying marked attentions to the coquette whose chief delight seemed to be not only to torment her host of other lovers but occasionally the elegant himself augustus however still continued first in favour and from the attentions which he received at the hands of mrs crossley it was conjectured by the family friends that a marriage with her daughter was not far distant the less aspiring of kate's former lovers had long since hauled their wind and only a few among whom were fitzrush and cressy still continued to hang on despairingly to what was evidently a forlorn hope nob openly boasted that he had run them all out of the field and was heard triumphantly to assert that he was breaking the heart of the dear creature and that he would be under the positive necessity of healing it at the hymeneal altar he was very young to marry quite a child but then to keep the dear sylph in suspense oh it would be barbarous positively barbarous it is not to be supposed that the cunning the talented kate was ignorant of these boasts on the part of the elegant nob no no kate knew everything and among other things she knew mr augustus nob thoroughly and she resolved on taking the most exquisite vengeance upon him spring delightful spring has returned and all nature looks as sweet as the lips of a lovely woman the trees upon our sidewalks and in our beautiful squares are once more covered with green and shady foliage and from the windows of high houses hang handsome cages from which those warbling prisoners the mock-bird and the troupial and the linnet and canary-bird send forth their dulcet notes filling the streets with music and melody fashionable ladies are beginning to make their appearance in the streets unattended by gentlemen as it is the shopping hour and gentlemen would be only in the way from the door of an elegant mansion on the upper part of chestnut street issues a graceful and beautiful girl who is proceeding down the street toward the busier part of the city she does not loiter nor look in at the shop windows as ladies generally do at this hour but walks nimbly along as though she came forth upon some preconceived errand as she nears that part of chestnut street which is in the neighborhood of the state house she lessens her gait and walks more leisurely she is heard to soliloquize in truth it is as much as my courage nay even my reputation is worth to enter the studio of my sweet painter thus alone but what can i do since the dear fellow has been banished from our house by the aristocratic notions of my mother well i shall risk all for him as he would for me i know how happy it will make him to hear my errand only to think that i am forced to an elopement or marry that ninny whom my mother has chosen for me but i shall elope i shall henry has so often proposed it how happy he shall be to hear me consent but i shall do it in my own way that is fixed henry will laugh when i tell him of my plans some one may be with him at this moment and deprive me of the pleasure of conversing with him but then it is all written here and i can see him soon again henry willis miniature painter yes this is the sweet fellow's place no one observes me enter so saying the graceful girl entered a huge hall the door of which stood open 
and passing up a flight of steps she tapped gently with her small gloved fingers upon the door of a chamber upon which was repeated in gold letters the same words that were exhibited in front of the building henry willis miniature painter in a moment the door opened disclosing within the studio of an artist the artist himself a fine-looking youth with dark hair and slight moustache and dressed in his painter's blouse while in the background could be seen a prim stiff old lady in high cap and curls steadily and rigidly sitting for her portrait at the sight of the newcomer the artist's countenance became bright with love and pleasure and the exclamation dearest that almost involuntarily escaped him told that they were no strangers to each other the young lady on the other hand perceiving the sitter through the half-open door glided back a step or two so as to be unperceived by the latter and taking from her reticule a folded paper she held it out to the painter accompanying the act with these words a message for you henry it would have been pleasanter perhaps to have delivered it verbally but you see i have been prepared for any emergency so saying she delivered the paper received a kiss upon her little gloved hand smiled said good morning and gracefully glided back into the street the artist re-entered his studio found some excuse to dismiss the stiff old lady and was soon buried with beaming face and beating heart in the contents of the paper he had just received he rose from its perusal like a man mad mad from excess of joy mad from love and hastily striding up and down his small studio he exclaimed yes dearest heart anything anything you wish shall be done one week and she shall be mine and such a mischievous trick but the fool deserves it richly deserves it for aspiring to the hand of one so immeasurably his superior ninny he little knew how deeply she is loved sweet girl how she has deceived them father mother friends all how sweet and how powerful is first love kate crossley had often been heard to say that whenever she married there would be an elopement she either had a presentiment that such would be her fate or she so despised the modern unromantic fashion of marrying and giving in marriage that she resolved that it should be consequently when the elegant augustus knob on the first day of may eighteen forty two knelt before her in the most fashionable manner and made a most fashionable declaration quite confident of being accepted who could have refused he was accepted with the proviso that it should be an elopement all right soliloquized augustus as he closed the hall door behind him all right and very simple old lady decidedly in my favour reconciliation easy carriage at four private clergy two days in a hotel sent for and all right again simple very simple and very romantic too it was a dark night a very dark night for the month of may and a very cold one too and under the shadow of some trees that grew upon the sidewalk in the upper part of chestnut street making the spot still darker might be seen an elegant carriage and horses drawn up close to the curbstone the driver was on the box enveloped in a great coat and at a short distance from the carriage and leaning against a tree might be seen the figure of a young man fashionably and elegantly attired he wore a cloth cloak loosely hanging from his shoulders and he was evidently waiting for someone to arrive and enter the carriage with him 
there were no passers-by however to conjecture his motives and actions as it was nearly two o'clock in the morning and the streets were quiet he repeatedly took out a splendid watch and seemed impatiently waiting for some fixed hour presently the great bell upon the state house tolled too a light footstep was now heard in the distance and a moment after a graceful woman came tripping along and approached the carriage the young man who had been leaning against the tree immediately recognized the figure and stretched out his hand to conduct her to the carriage we will conceal the names of the lovers no longer they were augustus knob and kate crossley my dear kate said he i have been waiting for you half an hour how very cold it is no no not cold on such an errand as ours but dear augustus said kate changing her manner we must be married by the reverend mr c the good old man has been like a father to me and i could not think of any one else he has promised me and is now expecting us oh very well replied the lover you are sure he expects us yes i will give directions to the driver so saying she whispered a word in the ear of the driver who seemed perfectly to understand her and entered the carriage followed by augustus the driver immediately gave the whip to his horses and turning down chestnut entered a cross street and drove northward toward the district of the northern liberties the carriage drew up before the door of a handsome house in the upper part of the city and the driver dismounting from his box opened the door let down the steps and handed the lady to the pavement nob thought that he saw the driver kiss his bride's little white-gloved hand as she stepped upon the curbstone but it was so dark he could not be sure of this he was sure however that he was the most officious and impertinent driver he had ever seen and from the slight glimpse that he caught of the fellow's face by the light of a street lamp he saw that he wore a moustache and was withal a very handsome young man it was no time however to study physiognomy or resent imaginary insults the door of the house was quietly opened by someone within and nob and his beautiful bride entered and were shown into the drawing-room the servant desired kate to follow her to a dressing-room that she might take off her bonnet and intimated to mr nob that the reverend mr c would wait upon him in a minute now it was a very strange thing that the same driver who kissed kate's little hand for he actually had kissed it instead of staying by his horses as every good driver should do gave them up to another and walked into the house close after the bride and bridegroom it was also strange that the bride kept the elegant mr augustus knob impatiently waiting in that front parlor for at least twenty minutes but the strangest thing of all was that when she did make her appearance she still had her bonnet on as when last he saw her and was leaning on the arm of a handsome young gentleman wearing moustaches and white kid gloves whom the stupefied augustus at once recognized as the impertinent driver and whom the reader may recognize as henry willis the artist mr willis politely thanked mr knob for having kindly attended his wife thither and assisted him in bringing the affair to its happy termination and added that as he had driven the party thither he hoped that mr knob would condescend to reciprocate and take the box on their return knob however having got the sack in so cruel a fashion felt no inclination to take the box and in a few moments he was among the missing he was never again seen in the city of brotherly love the young artist and his beautiful bride entered the carriage and drove to jones's hotel 
where they remained until sent for by Mr. and Mrs. Crossley, which happy event occurred a day or two after. Whoever should see the modest and matronly Kate now, with her two beautiful children, would hardly credit the story that she had ever been a coquette. This, however, was positively her last adventure. End of The Last Adventure of a Coquette by Thomas Maine Reed